Hello, and welcome to the podcast of the Central Church of God, located at 5120 Central Avenue, Portage, Indiana. Here, you can listen to Sunday service by Pastor Robert Sluter. If you have questions, prayer requests, or want more information about our church, please feel free to contact Pastor Robert at 219-963-8496. Into the book of Nehemiah, and we're going to look at chapter 10. And, and I've really enjoyed this, this study. I don't know if anybody's been able to send it or preaching before where you've gone through the, the whole book of Nehemiah. Powerful, powerful story. And I believe that we're connecting with it because God is bringing us through a, a season and He's helping us here. And this is why that banner over us is this, this theme of the returning, the refining. Anybody feel like the Lord's been refining you a little bit over the last several months? And again, the year's not over, so keep being willing to be refined. That doesn't mean that you've been in trouble and that you've been bad and, and, and God's trying to punish you. Refining means that He's just trying to make us better and stronger in Him. How, could, how many would like to be stronger in the Lord? I mean, you're already saved, and, and you're filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. You're, you're walking, but I want to be stronger in the Lord. I want my faith to increase. And, and that's what the refining process does. It's, it's taking just things away that doesn't need to be there and you know, replace it with the power of God. So I want to focus in on, on Nehemiah chapter 10, and this is the way it starts. And I want you to think about this under this heading right now, Faithful to the Word. If you're remembering the story of Nehemiah, especially the last couple of chapters, the people of God who have been set back from captivity, now they're back in Jerusalem, now they have the word of God open to them and they've been convicted by it, but it been, it, that conviction made them do a heart change. They wanted to draw closer. They wanted to take the word. They wanted to do the word of God, and, and so there's joy in that. So here's what they did. Now those who placed their seal on the document were Nehemiah, the governor, the son of Hakaliah, the, then and Zedekiah, and then verses 2 through 27 is just going to list a bunch of other people who signed this, this document. Now, remember last week, let's go back just one uh, couple of verses, the end of chapter 9, verses 37 and 38, it, it tells us, this is the, the end of that closing chapter after they've been convicted by the word of God, that they, they decided, hey, you know what? We're here in Jerusalem. We're back home. The, the temple is being built. The walls are surrounding us. The city is starting to look right again. But we realize that we're still not just a completely free people. We're still under the reign of a Persian king. We're still, we're giving them our, our, our grain, our seeds. We're giving them the fruit of our, our harvest. And, and so this is what they saw there. And this is what they said in verse 38. And because of all this, we make a sure covenant. They realize we're in this predicament because of the way that we acted in the past. Any of you, any of you ever been in a predicament because of the way you acted in the past? Aren't you glad for God's mercy? We talked about that a lot last week. Can't forget about it. But they're making this declaration. Because of this, we make this sure covenant and we ride on it. Our leaders, our Levites, and all the priests. That's what leads us into chapter 10. Now let's drop down to verse 28. Being faithful to the word. Now the rest of the people, the priests, the Levites, the the gatekeepers, the singers, the Nathiums, all those who had separated themselves from the people of the land. They They realize, they're like, we can't act like the people of the land who's not serving God. That's what got us in the mess in the first place. We're going to live amongst them, 
but we can't act like them. That needs to preach right now. We're, in a, we're, we're just sojourners through this land. This is not our permanent residence. Our home is heaven, amen? But we're temporary residents. We're alien residents right now. But we're living amongst a people. We need our light to shine, God's light to shine through us, but we're going to live among them, but we can't act like them. In fact, we're supposed to shine so bright that they see something in us that they want to change and act like us. They, they need to see the glory of God. Lord, let your, show us your glory. Let your glory shine upon us. Lord, let our witness be so bright that it doesn't bring any credit to us, brings all glory to you, but that people see, hey, you live like you're blessed in a time of inflation. You live like you're blessed in a time of discouragement. You live like you're blessed in a time of distress. Now, living like you're blessed means that you're not spending all the money in the world. It just means that you're going around with a joy that you're saying, you know, I'm not in lack. God's taking care of me. He's providing for us. I'm not worried about fuel in my car. I'm not worried about bread on my table. I'm not worried about chicken to eat. I know that I'm going to trust in the Lord God. He's going to provide, and I'm going to be faithful to him in spite of what's going on around me. I'm going to be faithful to God first. That's what they're saying here in this passage. They're saying we saw what happened before and we don't want to go through that again and so we're going to be faithful now. And in fact, if you start reading some of the language, it gets pretty, pretty thick. He says, they separate themselves from the people of the land to the law of God, their wives, their sons, their daughters, everyone who had knowledge and understanding. Verse 29, these joined with their brethren, the nobles, and they entered into a curse and an oath to walk in God's law. That's, that's a pretty strong statement. What they're saying is when they entered into a curse, they weren't cursed. What they said is we're entering into this so strongly that if we don't keep our word, God, we know that you're going to curse us. This is how strong of a language that they're using. We want to we show you, God, that we're so strong to be committed to this new covenant that we saw that we messed it up. Our forefathers messed it up. We saw the results. They were in captivity, and we're still paying the price of that. So we're going to change direction, and we're going to be all in. We're going to be sold out to you, and we're going to make it so strong that we're saying, you're gonna, you curse us if we don't keep this law. Curse us if we don't walk according to your commandments. Curse us if we, to, because we know that we need to keep this oath and walk in God's law, which was given by Moses it's going all the way back to the beginning. It was given by Moses, the servants of God, to observe and do all the commandments of the Lord, our Lord, and his ordinance and his statutes. This is serious business. So let's take a pause right now. How many knows the penalty and the punishment of sin and separation from God? It's hell. That's the punishment. That's the curse of death for those who don't call on the name of the Lord. But we can rejoice right now. We can celebrate right now that we've been free from the law of sin and death, that we have been made righteous, that we have been redeemed, that we have been sanctified, that we're not punished for our sins. We, are been, we, have, been, we have been set free and cleansed of all unrighteousness. But I realize if I don't keep walking with Him, I realize the penalty of sin is real. I realize that the, the punishment of sin, death, hell, is real. 
I don't take it lightly. I don't want to. I don't want to waddle in that. I don't want to get close to the edge on that. I want to stay as far back from the edge of sin that I can. I want to draw closer to God and closer to God, away from the edge of sin. Anybody following this this morning? If you're watching online, you need to realize our commitment to God is so crucial. It's not that a light switch. It's not on and off. But we need to be on fire for Him, drawing closer to Him, and we need to repel against sin. Run from sin because I don't want to get sucked up into the gulf of sin because that is eternal death. But God is giving us this free life in Him to follow Him completely. And some might say, Well, why, why are you preaching so hard? We're under this area of grace. You're under an area of grace when you give your heart to Jesus and you're walking with Him. There was a people. Why do we look at the Old Testament? The Old Testament's been fulfilled, but why do we look at it? Because God said, if you don't change, you're going to be punished this way. If you don't change, you're going into captivity. If you don't change, right? It was over and over and over. You're probably, I'm getting tired of hearing that. Well, here's the thing. They were too, and they didn't listen. And they got captive. So in this day that we're in, the New Testament, under the blood of Jesus Christ, this new covenant that we have with him, there's a covering over us. We don't have to give sacrifice. He is the sacrifice. But there's still an expectation on the believer. I'm glad that we're not just called believers, but we're called followers. We have to follow after him. We have to be keepers of the new covenant. Amen? Lord, help us do this. Verse 30 says, we would not give our daughters as wives to the people of the land. They realize under the old covenant. Now, this again, this is the Old Testament. Times have changed. But under the Old Testament, God had a purpose for the people of God, the people, the Jews, not to intermarry, but to stay pure in that, in that covenant together as a people of God. And we don't have time this morning to go all through the history of how they got to that point. But there was a promise for them, but God had a command, and they started breaking those commands. They're saying here, we realize what happened then. We don't want to make that mistake again, so we're going to move forward. How many, don't want to, how many doesn't want to go back and make mistakes again? Aren't you glad that we're growing in him? I saw where I messed up there. I experienced the grace of God then. I thank him for his mercy then, but I realize I don't want to do that again. I don't want to go through that mess again. I don't want to go through the pain that I experienced, the pain that I caused. Anybody connecting with that? And I want to let you know, here, your sons and your daughters, we're praying for this. They're going to grapple with this. They're going to have to fight through this. And I believe there's going to be returning. But here's what's happening. The enemy is trying to convict them and trying, trying to convince them that they're going to mess up again. And that he's reminding them of all their ugly past and, and maybe their ugly present and saying it's not worth you changing because you can't hold on. We come against that in the mighty name of Jesus. And we begin to declare that that's going to be lifted from them, that they're not going to be pulled down, but God's going to pull them up. And that when they come in, we're going to be a church that loves them, not remembering their past, but remembering right now the promise of God, what he has for them for a future. So we begin, we did it last week, we're doing it again right now. We begin to call out on the name of the Lord for people that we're praying for. Lord, we pray out right now for our sons and daughters. We can't get past this. It's too important. It's too important. So they need to be loved on. Not justified, not coddled, but loved on. God is able to change your path. Encourage them. 
You don't have to go. You don't have to stay caught up in that. God is able to set you free and will walk alongside you in this new freedom. We'll walk alongside you when, when you're feeling discouraged and you're feeling tempted. We're going to be here. We want you to know that you're known, noticed, and loved. We're going to bring you in and love you because God loves you. Amen? You want to be here tonight for our, our mission and vision casting. Verse 31. We change this thought now is faithful to the will. Start at verse, verse 30. This faithful to the will, talking about our will being changed to be the will of God. We've got to be faithful to that. And you hear even the prayer of Jesus, not my will, but your will be done. How many of us have wills? All of us, right? We have this willpower. I want it to be transformed to follow God's will. So I need to be faithful with our will to him. That's what we're seeing here. Verse 31, if the people of the land brought wares of or any grain to sell on the sabbath day we will not buy from it they're they're listing out the things that they recognize that they did wrong and that they're willing to change maybe some of you need to go home and make a list today i realize i used to be like this but because of my new walk in jesus christ i'm not doing this anymore listen we're not going to buy on the sabbath and i got to be careful right here we've given up sunday I know that we're a 24-hour society now, seven days a week. It's hard. It's hard for some that, can't, that just can't help but work on Sunday. We're not, we're not coming against that. But there are some choices that we have to make, that we have, the, we have the right to make and are able to make, whether I'm going to be in a house of the Lord or if I'm going to do things of the world. Then we, then we just talk about this, that we're going to be amongst them, but we can't act like them. Now, I know you may have a star athlete in your family, but they're probably not going to make it to pro sports. I'm sorry to break the news. So instead of getting them out there on the ball field on Sunday, bring them to the house of the Lord because this is what's going to last for them. Every once in a while, there will be that one star athlete, and God can work through that process. But most of our kids, but here's what will happen. That one star athlete, he needs a whole team to play with, right? He can't be a star. So if the whole team says, you know what, on Sundays we're going to be at church, you're going to have to find another day of practice, another day of play. That one star athlete, they'll make it still there one day. But the house of the Lord, this is a sacred time together on a Sunday morning when we come together. And so we've got to take back. We've got to, someone say it with me, we've got to take back. This is what was happening in Nehemiah. They recognized where they missed it. Look at it. Look at our churches today. Where did we go wrong? Where, where did it mess up? Because people decided, you know, instead of being in church, I'm going to take Junior out to the ball field. I know I'm being a little bit sarcastic. I'm sorry. It's part of my nature. I can't change that. I probably can, but it, it doesn't happen very quickly. I'm just saying we've given in. And I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad. I'm just saying you, we've got to be in the house of the Lord, not for the benefit of the preacher or the worship team, but because of God, this is how we work, this is how we walk, this is how we live, this is how we have our being in Him, is being committed to Him. So Lord, help us take it back. They said we would not even buy from them on the Sabbath or on a holy day. We would forgo the seventh year produced and the exacting of every debt. Also, we may ordinance for ourselves to exact from ourselves yearly one-third of shekel for the service of the house of the Lord. For the showbread, for the regular grain offering, for the regular burnt offering on the Sabbath, the new moons and, and set feasts, for the holy things, for the sin offerings and make atonement for Israel and all the works of the house of God. We cast lots among the, the priests. Now listen, we're changing from the will 
to the wall. They're doing this. They're faithful to this because of the protection now that they see. You, you remember what happened? They're released. They're back in Jerusalem. They need safety. They build a wall. God helped them build the wall for protection. And because of being protected, and this is what I want you to make the connection with, because you're protected by the hand of God, we're going to act and walk and do things differently. I'm going to, I'm going to be faithful because of the protection of God. I want to be faithful because of the word of God. I want to be faithful because of the will of God. I want to be protected. I want to be faithful because of the protection of God through the wall. Amen? So we begin to cast loss among the priests and the Levites and the people for bringing the wood and offering to the house of God. They're like, we're going to go back and do the things we're supposed to because of the protection that we have. We want to get back to serving God, giving him the sacrifices that he's called for. According to our Father's house, at the appointed time of year by year, to burn an altar on the altar of the Lord our God as it is written where? In the law. Again, this is Old Testament. This is where they're at. This is before Jesus Christ. But they're saying we've got to get back to the root of things we got to get back to the beginning of things that what we're supposed to do. And so for the New Testament church, for us, we've got to get back to the place where worship is more important than anything else. Where the Word is more important than anything else. Where, where the coming together of the body of believers is more important. What do we see in the book of Acts at the very beginning when the Holy Spirit was poured out? It says they begin to meet house to house, day by day, and they begin to talk about the doctrines and the teachings of the, of the disciples, of the apostles, right? They begin to have fellowship with one another. The important thing for the body of Christ is that we fellowship together. That's why in these last seven days, or the last few days, and almost seven now, we wanted to have opportunity for fellowship. There's important for us, the body of Christ, to grow and fellowship together. It strengthens us to be on the same path, on the journey, to hear what God is saying to us together, moving us for this together as a church. Amen? So we made an ordinance to bring the first fruits of the ground and the first fruits of all fruit of trees year by year to the house of the Lord. They made this ordinance. We're going to be faithful. We're going to go back to the early principles of bringing the first fruits to God. We're going to bring the, the firstborn of our sons and of our cattle, as it was written in the law, and the firstborn of our herds and of our flocks to the house of our God, to the priests who minister to the house of God. To bring the first fruits of our dough, our, our offering, the fruit from all kinds of trees, the new wine and oil, to the priest, to the storeroom, to the house of God, and to bring the tithes of our land to the Levites, for the Levites should receive the tithes in all farming communities. What he's saying is we're getting back to the principle of giving God first, the tithe, the offering. We're going to be faithful to these things. We're going to go back. We're going to give the sacrifices. We, we, we missed it before. Well, we don't want to miss it again. And I want to let you know, if you're in this room, if you're watching online, and we'll talk about it a little bit more here in detail, but tithing is a New Testament principle. It is. And you're missing it if you're not doing it. I can't say it any plainer, any more simple. It's out of love that I say it. It's on your benefit, not for our benefit. It's for, your, it's for the blessing of your home and for your family. Tithing is that important part of the relationship of obedience to God. Okay, hang on with me. Hold on here. Verse 38. And the priests, the descendants of Aaron, shall be with the Levites when the Levites receive tithes. And the Levites shall bring up a tenth of the tithes to the house of the Lord, to the rooms of the storehouses. 
For the children of Israel and the children of Levi shall bring the offering of the grain, of the new wine, of the oil to the storerooms where the articles of the sanctuary are, where the priests who minister and the gatekeepers and the singers are, and we will not neglect the house of our God. This is what he's saying. We will not neglect the house of our God with our tithes, with our offerings, with our sacrifices. Because he deserves, because of his word, because of his will, because of his wall, the protection, he deserves our obedience. Say that right now to yourself. He deserves my obedience, my faithfulness. It's a testing. So you ready to do the Bible? Write this in, fill this in. I'll read it to you and we'll read it together here in a moment. So this week, read Malachi chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Pray this prayer. Lord, I desire to be faithful to your word. I surrender my will to be faithful to your will. And I stand firm to be faithful because you protect me with your law. I can trust you with my finances. And I prove my trust with my tithes and offering. That's a pretty good statement right there. I prove my trust in God through my obedience. Isn't that, isn't that a test of the faithfulness of, of God being faithful by proving? Lord, I, I say I trust you. How do, how do I know you really trust me? Don't worry, I'm not going to use Josh on this, but anybody who's ever done that trust fall before where you sit somebody behind you and you're like, just trust me, fall back in my arms, right? You've seen that, right? I pick on him too much, so I'm not going to do it. I want to so bad. I just want to see if I can trust you. I better be able to. But you've seen that, right? Trust me. Just close your eyes, put your hands on your chest, and just fall back. Anybody who's ever been on that side on the, on the falling back? It takes a lot of gut. You're like, can I? Because what you're doing is like, can I really trust you? Can, can I really, you're not going to let me fall, right? You're not going to let me hit my head on the ground. I'm not going to walk away injured. I, I can trust you that you're going to, I may go, and, and if you're really good, you like to catch them and let them go as far as you can and then stop, but because they're like, but, but if they trust you, they know that you're not going to let them get hurt. So what you're doing is that you're proving your trust in them. I'm proving that, yeah, well, let's put some pillows in the mattress out. No, then that, that's not trusting me. You want a backup plan. You want to say, I'll do it as long as there's some safety nets right here. And God is saying, trust me with your tithe and your offering without the safety nets. Don't put caveats on. Don't put any ultimatum, ultimatums on God. Trust him. Trust his word. He will be faithful. He will take care of us. So let's read this again together. Make this a declaration and a prayer for yourself. Lord, I desire to be faithful to your word. I surrender my will to be faithful to your will. And I stand firm to be faithful because you protect me with your wall. I can trust you with my finances. And I prove my trust with my tithes and offerings. That sounded good. Let's do it one more time, okay? I want this to sink in. Lord, I desire to be faithful to your word. I surrender my will to be faithful to your will. 
and I stand firm to be faithful because you protect me with your wall. I can trust you with my finances, and I prove my trust with my tithes and offering. I'm going to read a few verses from Malachi. This is the last book of the Old Testament. And it ties in. It's one of the last history books, or the, one of the last books written in history. This, it says this, Behold, I, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come in his temple, even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming? Here's this, this question. Who can endure the return of the Lord? Only those who are faithful to God, right? Who can stand when he appears? Because he's like a refiner's fire, and like a launderer's soap. He will set as a refiner and purify of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver. And this is a purifying process, a refining process, getting rid of the, getting rid of the dross that is, that is corrupted, it's impure, getting rid of the impurities. How many wants to be refined? You want the impurities out. That, it, that they may offer the Lord an offering in righteousness. So let's pause. Be faithful in giving your tithes and offering, but do it with the right heart. If you're doing it to keep a tally, I did it. No. You do it out of righteousness, out of obedience, out of love. Not out of obligation, not out of, just as a command. Out of love and relationship with God. That's what changes everything for every person who, who does that. That's when giving becomes a blessing. Giving generous becomes becomes a place of peace versus stress. It says, then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasant to the Lord as in the days of old. Remember, they used to do it right. There was a time they did it right. They got it right, and they slipped away. He's restoring this as in the former years. He says, and I will come near you for judgment. And this is what's going to happen. There's going to be some times of judgment. When Jesus returns, he says, I'm going to come and be a swift witness against the sorcerers against adulterers, against perjurers, against those who exploit wage earners and widows and orphans, and against those who turn away an alien because they do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. We need to be people of righteousness. We need to be loving on the orphans and on the widows. You see the difference there? This is what Jesus says in the, in the New Testament. He says, when you, you, you minister to me, when you minister to them, when do we minister to you? When you fed the hungry, visit those in prison, when you took care of the orphans. You, you, you know the, the text? Jesus says, when we do that to them, we're doing it unto him. And we can't do that if we're not givers. Amen? He says, for I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. I'm getting somewhere. Yet from the days of your fathers you have gone away from the, my ordinances. He's reminded them, this is how you got in captivity. Because you got away from the ordinances, from the commands. You did not keep them. He says, return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. That you say, in what way shall we return? And here's this famous passage that a lot of people have heard for the giving of tithes. We stand on this. Will a man rob God? That's a hard question. No, I, I mean, if someone would ask you, would you, would you rob God? No, no, I, no, I wouldn't do that. 
Right? Isn't that your natural response? I, I wouldn't want to dare rob God. I understand how powerful, how great it is. I honor God. He says, but you say, in what way have we done that? And the answer is, you've done it in the tithes and offerings. You haven't been faithful. This is what happened. They got away from it. They got away from being obedient. And that getting away from that led them into captivity. You're saying that they went to captivity because they just didn't give offerings and tithes? No, it was the start of it. They weren't faithful in the small things. And so when you stop being faithful in the, the little things like that, and I don't say tithing is a little thing. It's a, it's a, it's a major part of our, follow, our following God. But when you become lax in that, you become lax in something else. Isn't that, isn't that the way it works? When you become lax in your giving of your tithes and offering, then you become lax in, in your attendance. When I'm saying you, I'm talking about the people of God. I'm not pointing fingers at anyone. I'm not, I'm not looking at your camera pointing fingers. I'm talking about how people are. They, they, they were faithful in this, but they became lax in that. Then it slid into the attendance, maybe even vice versa. But you see how it works together. And then little by little, they start walking away farther and farther from the fellowship of believers. What does God want for us? He wants us to be in community together. He wants us to worship together, to grow together, to disciple, to bring new converts in and see them grow. He desired us to be in community and in fellowship with one another. Amen? But the enemy wants to distract all that. He says, you are cursed with the curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that they may be food in my house, and try me now this. King James says, then test me in this. I'll prove this to you, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessings that there will not be enough room to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer. When we are faithful to him, he's going to rebuke the devourer. How many wants that in your life, right? The one who wants to eat things up, the enemy is going, going to be defeated because God is going to rebuke that so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground. I'm going back to when, uh, last Sunday night, that movie. What was the fear? That the, the faith like potatoes, they planted something in a drought. It's like, this shouldn't grow. This shouldn't make it. And they can't see what's happening. It's all done underground until the harvest time. But he had faith that God was going to be faithful. Amen? Because God kept the devourer away from that. And that's a true story. The, the faith like potato story is true. God kept it, preserved it, and he was able to testify of the goodness of God. And God is the one who will still do that for you when you are faithful to him. Hallelujah. Nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit. For in your field, says the Lord of hosts, last verse, and all nations will call you blessed. How many wants to be called blessed? How many desires a blessing? For you will be a, a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. I read all this and I encourage you all this and we do the Bible. I'm not trying to get people's money. It's the obedience to God because he wants to bless your home. Here in just a moment, I'm going to invite you to come and stand around the altars to receive a blessing from God. I'll pray with, with you. 
But I believe God wants to pour out a blessing. This is, this is not a message to make us feel, oh, woe is me. This is to say, because of this, because of this faithful, listen to the promise. It is, this is not just like, here's what happened, here's what happened, here's what happened. It's that God is always merciful. Here's what happened when there was disobedience, but when you start turning around become obedient, he goes, I'm going to stop the devourer. I'm going to bless your, your land. I'm going to bless you, and, and that's what we hold on to. Our part. If, here's again, here's the shift. Here's the difference. The if, the condition's on us, but the promise is on him. If, we'll pray. If, we'll be obedient. Then, he, right? Then he will pour out his blessings. So without any hesitation, who's ready to see a blessing today? I want you to stand to your feet. I want you to come around these altars with hands raised high. God, I'm ready to receive your blessing. I want to be found more faithful today than I have been all my life. Let's press in this morning.